Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. I'm going to read some scripture, and then I want to... I feel like this has... I'm always wary to say something like this, because I feel like I'm going to say something like this, and then it's going to be just terrible, and y'all are going to... You know, I was talking about Brother Anderson, talking about how easy it was to preach this church. He was saying just, man, he said it was just so easy to preach there. And, and, the, and the, the flow that you feel when you get to preaching at Sanctuary, he said it's awesome. I, and I wanted to say, well, you ought to be at some of the services I've been preaching there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then I, th- I thought about saying that joke into the church. And I thought, then they're going to take offense and think, not. So I'm not saying nothing bad about y'all. Y'all are the greatest people to preach to, I promise you. But I'm saying that now to say this. Um, I want to say this has potential to be one of the greatest lessons we'll have all year. And then I'm worried now that I say that it would be one of the worst lessons y'all hear me teach all year. Um, But I, I feel like this can really help us tonight. Philippians 3, verses 14 through 19 says this. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. When he says perfect, he he doesn't mean you have to live perfect life. That's a King James Version word for as many as are living upright and trying to be complete in God. He says as many as uh, that are trying to live upright and complete in the Lord be Thus minded, be this, let this mind be in you. And if anything, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them. Everybody say mark them. Mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He said, now you, we have given you examples to which you can look and you can see what is a profitable way for you to walk after the Lord. He said, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. There's others too that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So you need to pay attention to the good examples and you need to mark the bad examples. Everybody who who says that they are living for God is giving you an example one way or the other. Everybody who says they're living for God is giving you an example one way or the other. So Paul said, we've given you positive examples, but there are also enemies of the cross whose end is Everybody say destruction. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So I want to teach tonight from this subject, what destroys good people? What destroys good people? I will will tell you that the people Paul is referring to here that he said you're going to have to mark them and you're going to have to be careful and be wary of their influence in your life. Um, They did not all start out to be people whose end would be destruction. All right? 
They did not start out to be people whose end was destruction. Uh, I believe most of them probably started with good intentions. They obviously were people who came out of the early church. So they, in, they intended to finish well, but somewhere along the line, they got messed up and, and crossways somehow. And their end, Paul said, is destruction. Now, I am going to tell you this. If I begin to teach tonight and any of this is speaking to you, let me just encourage you to tell you that there is a remedy for destruction still. Because we're on this side of the rapture of the Lord. There is still a remedy for destruction. And if you have taken steps in the wrong direction, you can remedy that. You can remedy that. And your loved ones can remedy that. I wish the whole church could hear this tonight because this is really going to help us, I believe. So, what destroys good people? Sometimes, good people, even the best folks, can lose out. And we see that in many different arenas of life. When I was nine years old, we moved to Arkansas. And uh, in Texas, where I was from, uh, we lived in that suburb of Houston called Santa Fe. I went to an elementary school there called R.J. Wallum Elementary. And at R.J. Wallum Elementary School, I don't remember how big our class was, but it's pretty large. Um, at that particular school, uh, we would have field day. Anybody ever been to field day or something like that? We'd have field day and all that. And I am proud to tell you tonight that I was the fastest kid in my grade when I left R.J. Wollum Elementary. And so I kind of carried that as a badge of honor. I was, I, you know, I had impressed myself. Y'all have never done that. Y'all are such godly people. You never have carnal moments like that, okay? But I impressed even myself, and, and I thought I was something. So we moved to Arkansas. And when you're nine years old and you move to a new place and you're trying to find your way in the hierarchy of, of the social strata of, of that new school that you're involved in, you know, you're, you're testing limits and, 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 and going around different groups of people to see which group you fit in with best. You know, it's, it's an odd thing to do. And, and by the way, always pray for our missionary kids and our... our, our uh, People in home missions, they go start churches somewhere and all that, and their kids are up older in age, and they have to be introduced to brand new circumstances. I, it's not just for them, it's for anybody, but I think we always ought to keep them in prayer. That's, that's always been near and dear to my heart because I know how it affected me. And so get, we got out on the playground, and, and of course, you know, we're playing kickball, we're we're playing tag and all this stuff. And so uh, inevitably it got around to having races. And so we started racing. And, and uh, I thought, you, you know, uh, oh, these Arkansas kids, uh, I, I'm going to show them how it's done, you know. And, and so me and my little stubby little legs uh, got up to the line and they said, go. And, and here we all start racing. And I'm just going to tell you, they all left me in the dust. I had never seen kids run like that before. And, uh, you know, I, I told, I, I don't know if it was because they were used to running without shoes and I was used to running. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That stuff even bothers me now, okay? People make fun of our Arkansas 
uh, heritage. <laughs> they just blew me out of the water. And so uh, uh, I, was, I was introduced uh, with a rude awakening that day to the fact that I wasn't nearly as impressive as I thought I was. Um, sometimes, even when we think we're at the top of our game, we can lose out on something. We can, we can miss out on, on, on things that we thought we should have really been able to excel in. Isn't that frustrating? When it's something you, you feel like you should excel in and, and you've given yourself to it and to then come short of what you feel like you're capable of. Isn't that an aggravating feeling that comes over you? Um, you know, everybody at times uh, hurts. Everybody at times feels isolated. Everybody at times are offended. Everybody at times comes under attack. And everybody sometimes loses in one way or another. And losing is never any fun, is it? But the absolute worst way to lose is when you lose out with God. That's the worst way to lose. At the end of the day, I don't care how many races I, I, I lose out on. and I don't care about the competitions of life that I lose out on. Or if I measured up in somebody's eyes to a certain level of success. That won't bother me very much. But when I stand in judgment, the one place I never want to lose out is lose out with God. What is it that destroys good people and causes them to lose out with God? Ultimately, it is the opening of your spirit. And I'm going to just kind of jump down real fast. I'm going to give you the, the, the summation of it all before I go through some of this. Ultimately, it is the opening of your spirit to something dangerous that will be the root cause of anybody in this room losing out with God. It's when we open ourselves up to something that we have no business being connected to. Proverbs 25 and 28 says this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. When we cannot control our own spirit, when we cannot control what we open our, our, the deep recesses of our hearts up to, we become like cities that have been ransacked by the enemy. We become like cities whose walls have been destroyed. And no longer are we able to guard against things that would love to come in and destroy us. But now we are open to those things and they have free reign. They have free reign. I was reading one time about some of the areas, uh, particularly in places like Africa or Asia, where they, they have... Uh, large, uh, what I guess what we in America would call game animals, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! <laughs> I crack myself up sometimes. <laughs> some of y'all don't even get that. Some of you, some of you are too young to get that, and that's a shame. It's a shame. But uh, places where you got large game animals, and and uh, there were some villages that. Um, that had had people come in and wreak havoc on their infrastructure. And by the way, in case some of y'all don't know, that was a quote from the Wizard of Oz. 
when Dory was Dorothy was walking down the yellow brick door. I'm mixing my I'm mixing my kids' movies. When Dorothy was walking down the yellow brick road, okay, she was worried about lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, where was I? Oh yeah. So the infrastructure of some of these villages had been messed up. They had built. Uh, you know, to us, they wouldn't be tremendous walls, but they had built some sort of walls that kept some of the particular uh, predators out. And those walls had been uh, des- uh, destroyed and knocked down and different things. And so it was causing problems because in, in the evening times, they were having lions and different things that would come into the village. And at night, uh, it, would, it would grab small children or even larger uh, adults at time and pull them from the safety of the village. Why? Because there was no wall to keep the predators out. And when there are no walls, anything can come in. The Bible says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if we do not have walls up in our lives, he's going to have the ability to come and go as he pleases. But oh, help us, Lord to establish walls and boundaries around our spirit that keeps us from being affected by the enemy and the attacks of the enemy and the, and the dealings of the world around us. Help us to have walls in our lives that protect and keep us in moments when we would otherwise be destroyed. So the wise men told us, he said, you've got to learn how to control your own spirit. You've got to learn how to be a gatekeeper to what comes in and what goes out. Be careful what walls you let down. Be careful what doors you leave open in your life. I would tell you this tonight. Holiness in every aspect. Not just in how we look, but in every aspect. Holiness is a big part of what protects a child of God. Holiness is not what saves us. Holiness is what comes through sanctification after we have been saved. And it is an ongoing, it is an ongoing uh, deepening of the character of God in our lives. And that's why, by the way, let me, this just hits me, but, but let me say this. That's why sometimes those of us that have lived for God are perhaps a, a longer amount of time than others... Um, we may not understand why people who haven't lived for God as long as us don't grasp more about holiness and come along a little quicker. Give them time. When they've been living for God the same amount of time you have, I'm praying they're going to have the same convictions and consecrations you have. Is that good? So uh, we've got to understand holiness is a big part of what protects us. and It doesn't save us, but it does begin to put walls up in our lives. And it begins to give us uh, areas where, where we can keep the enemy out. And it gives us uh, fortresses and boundaries and becomes something that, that withholds the enemy when he would come in like a flood. And so let me just share some good people in the Bible, people who began well but ended, uh, ended uh, differently than they began Cain. Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. Cain was raised to love and honor God. Cain was raised by parents who had walked with God in the cool of the day. He was raised by parents who knew what it was to hold conversations 
out loud, verbal, hearing conversations with the Almighty God. Cain was around that in his childhood growing up. But Cain, somewhere along the way, did not control his spirit. And jealousy came over him. And he became jealous of Abel's position in God. In the sacrifice that God had accepted from Abel. Uh, as opposed to the sacrifice that God had rejected from Cain. And he let, and he let that, that get a hold of him. That jealousy get a hold of him to the point where he couldn't even stand it anymore. And he slew his brother. And he killed his brother Abel. And committed uh, that first act of sin against another human being. By murder and taking of his life. And so here you had a good Someone who began good, who ended in destruction. There's Noah. You talk about Noah. By faith, Noah built an ark. Isn't that something to remember? By faith, Noah built an ark. Noah, who, who was laughed at and mocked for some 120 years because he was building a boat, the likes of which the world had never seen before. And when they said, what's that boat for? He'd say, well, my family's going to get on that boat. And then we're going to get all the animals of the earth to get on that boat. And if you want to come on that boat, you can come on it too. Why are you doing such a thing, Noah? Because it's going to rain. You know, up to this point, the ground, uh, it's watered from, from dew every morning. The dew comes up and it waters the earth. But the day's going to come. God's going to allow the deep to break open and God's going to allow the heavens to be opened up and water's going to start falling from the sky. And when it does, He's going to flood this earth. And if you're not on my boat, you're not going to live. You're going to die. And they mocked Him for that. And they made fun of Him for that. Yet Noah, faithful Noah, kept on building that ark. And he got his family on the ark. And he got the animals on the ark. And everything he had preached for those years came to pass. Yet, Noah, after the ark, after that great experience with God, after coming off the ark and building a, a, an altar and offering up a sacrifice and seeing the rainbow, a promise come, Noah found himself become a drunkard. And he began to, to uh, drink uh, of the wine that was fermented. And it began to... Uh, it, it worked on him and it caused him to, to fall into sin. And, and it caused his son even to fall into sin. And, and it created a lot of problems in his life. Noah, who should have known better, involved himself in a... Let me say it like this. I'm going to clarify. But Noah involved himself in a gray area. Thinking he could control it. And yet that thing that he thought he could control got a hold of him. And it wound up destroying a good man. I'm going to tell you what destroys good people. It's when good people think they can handle something that's too hot for a Christian to be handling. This church, as the pastor of this church, I'm going to tell you. You don't need anything to do with alcohol. You don't need anything to do with alcohol. You don't need anything to do with drugs and and. and and we're living in a day and age now where people are starting to, to tell us every good reason in the world why these things are okay. But let me just give you a piece of advice. Every time the Bible talks about alcohol, 
it's, it's always in a negative light. It's always, what's the fear? The fear is somebody's going to go too far. And they're going to get into a situation like Noah did, where sin came into their life. And good people were destroyed by one man's sin in, the, in what he considered to be a gray area. Let me tell you about Lot. The Bible said Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, that he pitched his tent too close to Sodom. And uh, he started out just by wanting to live on the outskirts of Sodom. And then you find him sitting in the gates of Sodom. And then you find him living in Sodom. And he just kept getting closer and closer and closer to worldliness. And when we start living too close to worldliness, good people get destroyed. No, Lot, didn't, Lot didn't pitch his tent thinking, this is going to destroy my family. Lot never had any intention of seeing his kids go through what they did and, and the incest that eventually happened on down the road and his wife turning into a pillar of salt. Lot never had any intention of any of those things happening to his family in his life. If he had it to do over again, don't you know, he would have he gone just as far around Sodom as he possibly could have. If, if he was here tonight to preach to you, he'd say, I'd get as far from those cities as I possibly could. Yet a good man, the Bible called him righteous lot. A good man got too close to worldliness. And it, and it wound up destroying his family. I can talk to you about Achan. Achan was a man uh, who was led by Moses. He rebelled against the word of God. The Lord told them when they went into, uh, uh, when they went into uh, Jericho, God said, I, I'm going to give you the city. He said, but you're not to take any of the spoils of this city. It belongs to me. It's the first fruits. It's the tithe. If that don't show you how, how serious God is about the tithe, I don't know what would. God said, this is the first fruits of the, the promised land that I've given to you. So I put it into your hands, but the first fruits of it you give back to me. And so you don't take anything that comes out of this city. And uh, Achan, the Bible said he stole uh, a Babylonian garment. Uh, he stole silver and he stole a wedge of gold. And he went and he hid it in his tent. He rebelled against the word of God. A good man who had come out of Egypt with Moses. A good man who wanted to see his family do better than they had done. Uh, you know, his fa he was just a, a, a small kid when he'd come out of all of that. And yet Joshua uh, has now taken them across the Jordan River and they've, they've defeated Jericho because of the help of God. And he has rebelled against the word of the Lord. And the Bible said the ground opened up. Him, his family were destroyed. So uh, a, a man who no doubt began as good people was destroyed. I could talk about Miriam. You remember Miriam? She got, good thing I'll have my tambourine tonight, huh? Miriam uh, came, uh, went through the Red Sea with all of them. And, and uh, when, they, when they got to the other side, and then the Lord caused the waters to come down on Pharaoh and his army, and they were destroyed. The Bible said Moses wrote a song. He gave it to Miriam. She and the other women, they got their tam tambourines out, and they began to sing and dance about the Lord, the the. the the chariot and the rider he's thrown into the sea and he's he's destroyed our enemy and and they had a worship service right there on the other side of the red sea and miriam was a leader 
uh, in Israel. But at some point, she grew frustrated with Moses. She murmured against Moses, and it destroyed her health. And God caused leprosy to come upon her until she repented of that. Uh, Miriam, who, who, who was such a shining example to us, destroyed a good person. We could talk about Samson and his disregard for God's plan for his life. And how that destroyed what should have been a good man who was raised in a good home by good parents who served the Lord. Samson, his disregard for God's plan, it caused his life to be destroyed. You could talk about David, and, and there's so many good things to talk about David. But, but it's, it's like all of that lives in the shadow of the fact that he had that, that lust and... and, and uh, committed sin with Bathsheba and then covered that sin. Instead of repenting about it, he covered that sin and caused the death of her husband. And uh, it, it brought destruction into his household. And his home was never the same because of what had happened. And, and uh, his kids were at an age where it put an example in front of their eyes and they had seen things out of their father that no child should ever see. And... You have what happened with David. You have Amnon, his oldest son. Uh, let me tell you what will destroy good people. It's when you start listening to voices that only tell you what you want to hear. The Bible said Amnon had a friend. Amnon had a friend and his friend told him. He said, you need to, uh, you need to just do what it is your heart tells you you want to do. Beware of anybody that tells you to follow your heart. They're foolish. They're foolish. And I know if, if, if somebody's not grounded in the word of God, they don't understand what I just said. And I get that. But I'm telling you, if somebody says, just follow your heart, that's foolishness. The Bible says uh, the heart is deceitfully wicked. No man can know his own heart. Your heart will lead you by emotions. And your heart will cause you to do things in the heat of the moment. That, that if you were, instead of following your heart, if you were following God's word, that you'd never do. And cause you to make decisions that if you were following God's word, you'd never make. And so Amnon had a friend who said, just do what it is you feel like you want to do, Amnon. If it feels good, do it. You only live once, Amnon. So if it feels good, do it. And he did. And it destroyed his life. Solomon surrounded himself with voices that did not serve God in truth. If you put voices in your life of a bunch of people who don't serve the Lord in truth, you're going to start thinking and talking and acting like them. I'm trying to rush through this part because I've got to get to something else. But I'm, and I'm trying not to spend too much time here, but you better be careful. Solomon uh, was a good man that started good, but his life ended in destruction. Hezekiah was a good king, a great king, in fact. And yet, uh, in his latter years, he compromised with the enemy. In his latter years, he began to compromise some things that he wouldn't have compromised at another time in his life. And a good man was destroyed through compromise. Judas was destroyed by greed and not serving the Lord for the right reasons. Demas was destroyed because he loved the things of the world more than the things of God. Paul said, he's forsook me, having loved this present world. Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch, 
He was destroyed because he came along with a new doctrine. And he watered down Bible doctrine and gave them the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which was to appease the flesh. That said, if your flesh wants it, you ought to do it because God wouldn't cause you to be born with any kind of desires in you that are contrary to God. What a dumb thing. Just if it feels good, do it. And you had the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the Lord said, I hate it. He said, I hate it in Revelation. So these are just some examples of some good people who started good, but were ultimately destroyed. And, and, and what was it? What what? Open doors in their life cause the enemy to come in and cause these good people to be destroyed through these particular things. I've got, I've got five things that I want to offer to you tonight. The first thing that will cause, that allows the enemy to cause good people to become destroyed is isolation. Would you say isolation? When we begin to isolate ourselves, we begin to give opportunity. The Bible says, don't even give place to the devil. And when we isolate ourselves, we are giving place to the devil. We are giving him room in our lives in which to get his foot in and begin to, 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 to wiggle that leg in so he can squeeze through the door and begin to cause problems for us. Hebrews 10 Verses 24 and 25, if you put that up, it says, And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner, as the, as the consistent ways of some people is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you isolate yourselves from people who are like-minded in Christ. When you isolate yourselves from people who are like-minded in Christ. You are opening the door for good people to be destroyed. I have seen isolation due to people what circumstances could not. I've seen people go through storms of, in their life of health, of family, of finance, and come out of those storms just fine. Go through all of that, and none of that bring them down. But let them get isolated. And when they get isolated, they start thinking wrong. And they start, they start perceiving things wrong. And they forsake the assembling of themselves together with other people who should be around to help lift them up, and it brings them down. It brings them down. Let me just tell you right now, the manner of some people is to always be by themselves, to always be away, to never connect with the church, to slip in late and slip out early. Don't let that become you. Don't let that become... Am I doing all right tonight? Hallelujah. Don't let that become you. Don't let it become that, that you don't surround yourself with people who will speak faith into your life. People who will lift you up and build you up and come alongside you. And then certainly, uh, uh, well, let me move on. I'm, I'm getting caught up here. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. I'm going to go through verse 12, I believe. The Bible says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 
two are better than one. They've got a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. We were out in New Mexico, and we were riding horses and all of that. And um, you know, I, I, It kind of concerned me after the fact because we had been letting uh, Asher and, and, and a, another kid, and, and really three boys there, but Asher and another one mainly, uh, we were up there at the horse camp, and we let them climb on their horses, and they'd go like, I mean, 15, 20 minutes down the trail to where they're, my wife's saying, what? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> What I meant to say was, we didn't let them do nothing. <laughs> oh, Lord, I, already, I done stepped into this now, huh? <laughs> so um, they would go down the trail like 15, 20 minutes and, and get, get on their horses and, and by themselves go down there. And what, what caused us to become a little concerned was two things. The first one is, uh, while they were down there, there was three of them, and you know, Asher, if, if he gets outside and he's doing what he likes to do with hunting and fishing and all that, uh, good luck getting him in, okay? So he's down there fishing. He's, I had gotten them little nets, and, and they're catching these little shiner fish and all that. Well, one of them said, well, I've got to go to the restroom. And he said, but I'm afraid to go back by myself. And so the, other, the third boy said, well, I'll go with you. He's older than the rest of them. He said, I'll go with you. And, uh, and Asher said, well, I'm staying here. Well, he's they've you know they they when they got over there they shut their boots and and uh, and he's he's got his britches rolled up he's in he's wading in this water uh, his boots are off his hats off and uh, after they've left been gone about ten minutes you know he starts thinking he hears coyotes howling and stuff and and it was it was getting to be evening time and so I, there probably was coyotes howling and. Uh, and he got scared, so he runs and jumps on his horse, and instead of grabbing his boots and all that stuff first, he jumps on his horse and hightails it back to camp. And, uh, and that when he comes in, and I look at him, and I said, son, where's your boots? He said, I left them. I said, why'd you leave them? I have a tendency to get a little upset. <laughs> I said, why'd you leave them? He said, I thought I heard coyotes, and you know there's bears out here. I said, I know there's bears and <laughs> mountain lions and, and all that stuff. And he, I said, but you could have grabbed your boots. He said, but I thought I heard coyotes, and, and I was pretty aggravated, you know. So I said, well, you stay here, and I jumped on my animal, and I have to go 20 minutes down the trail to get all that stuff and 20 minutes back. And uh, so then I was really aggravated, you know. And, and I got to think about how dangerous it was that he's out there by himself. And, and the other kid, uh, his mom, the oldest kid, his mom was giving him the what for, saying, you don't leave somebody by themselves. If he, this one had to come back, then you should have told Asher you're coming back too. You're the oldest one. You should have made him come with you and, 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 and all that. And we're thinking, boy, that could be a bad deal because there are some animals out there. And they've had bears come into that camp and all of this stuff. And... And then one guy was out there, and he decided he's going to go ride by himself. And he's on a green mule, and, and he's riding by himself. And, and he's up on a, on a ledge, kind of, and his mule starts fighting him and takes off running. And 
uh, he can't get it stopped, and then it starts bucking. And he said, the only thing I remember is it started bucking. Next thing I know, I wake up, I'm down a ravine 20 feet below, and the back of my head's bleeding. He'd fallen 20 feet on his back. And it's a miracle that he was okay. He, went, he had to go get stitches in the hospital, and, and bad deal. But it's a miracle he's alive. And, we were t- and they were telling him, they said, you broke the cardinal rule. You never go on a ride by yourself. Nobody knew where he was when his mule came running into camp by itself. And where do we go look for him? Nobody had any idea. And I'm telling you, two are better than one. Because if one of them falls, the other one can help you get back up. And I need you, and you need me. Because every once in a while, I'll fall, and sometimes you're going to fall. But if we're there together, the other one can help us up. Oh, let's come together. Let's come together. Don't isolate yourself. Don't get away. If two lie together, they've got heat. But how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What is going on there? The Lord's trying to tell us you're better together than you are alone. Don't be isolated. Don't just make it about you and you alone. But come together with other people. And you need people who will build you up and lift you up. I need it. You need it. Nobody's exempt from it. Isolation will destroy us. The second thing that will, that will cause good people to be destroyed is offense. Would you say offense? Matthew 16 and 23. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be... Of men. The Lord even rebuked Peter. Jesus rebuked Peter and said, You're an offense unto me, and you better get away from me. Don't come around me if you're going to be an offense to me. Don't come around me if you're going to savor the things that are of men rather than the things that are of God. And if you've got people coming around you that savor the things of men, but they don't savor the things of God, they're an offense to you. And offense will destroy you. We always think of offense in terms of how somebody's hurt us. But I'm telling you, sometimes we're getting hurt by people that we've allowed in our lives that aren't the right people. And and their words into our head and our ear begins to destroy us. And it's so strong here. Do you see? That even Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, said, I don't have time for somebody who's going to try to tell me to do things that are not of God. Don't even speak to me if that's how you're going to be, Peter. But Lord, he's the one that's going to preach the Acts 2.38 message on the day of Pentecost. But Lord, he's the one that's going to have the keys of the kingdom. And what are you talking about? No, I won't let him do any of that if he's going to be an offense to me. Thank God Peter took the rebuke. Peter received it. And he moved on. 
That's another thing I ought to have. If somebody can't take a rebuke, they don't, you don't need probably them to be around either. We all right? Acts 24, 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul was saying here, I have made up my mind to try to live my life like this. I'm going to live my life in this way that I never feel like I'm offended by God or other people. (laughs) That's a big job. Paul said, I'm going to do my best to live my life where I am not offended toward, and and that happens, doesn't it? Even toward God, people get offended. He said, I'm going to live my life where I'm not offended toward God and I'm not offended toward anybody else. That's how I want to live my life. But Paul... I thought you said that you've been in perils of countrymen. I have. Paul, I thought you said you've been betrayed by brothers in the Lord. I have. Paul, I thought you said you've been stoned by, I have. Shipwrecked, you name it. Whipped, beat. Yeah, it's happened to me. Put in stocks. Yeah. Jailed. Oh, yeah. Eventually, I'll be beheaded. But at the end of it all, I made up my mind. I'm not going to hold defense toward people. I'm not going to allow that to get in my heart and create a root of bitterness that would destroy me. You need to hear what I'm saying right now. I will not let it destroy me. Offense causes good people to be destroyed. Offense causes good people to be destroyed. The third thing is bitterness. Everybody say bitterness. Exodus 15 and 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. This is Israel on their way out of Egypt. They come to a place, there's water, but it's, but it's deadly water. And they called it Mar- Marah. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? When they became bitter, they, became, they began to murmur against Moses. Sometimes people who are bitter will murmur against leadership. Okay? Now, I don't... I don't think I've got anybody murmuring against me. I'm not after anybody, okay? But I'm trying to do what I call preventative preaching, okay? If somebody starts murmuring about, uh, about the pastor and about the youth pastor, and if y'all haven't had it, you will at some point, okay? And they start murmuring at them and whoever else, and Brother Dub because he sits on the church board, and, and, uh, and someone else because, because they drive... Uh, uh, a vehicle that you want to drive or something. You know, who knows why? But somebody starts murmuring. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Um, understand that this is a part of bitterness. Bitterness gets in people's hearts. And it, and it causes people to want to say things. And bitterness can destroy good people. Bitterness can destroy good people. People that wouldn't get taken down by isolation. That wouldn't get taken down by offense. Sometimes get taken down by bitterness. Where something. Something just eats at them. And they cannot let go of it. And they stew on it. And they dwell on it. And they can't hardly come to the house of God. And receive a blessing from the Lord. Because all they're consumed with. Is what caused them to be bitter. Don't let it happen to you. Psalm 64 Two through six. Can you give me that? Hide me from the seek. Watch this. And, and by the way, when I was studying today, 
I was studying bitterness. I was amazed how bitterness is so often accompanied in the word of God with people talking. Bitterness cannot keep. It, the Bible said they went to Mara's bitter waters. Bitter waters, something that flowed out. And people who are bitter tend to flow out. The psalmist said, hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked. From the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Who, met, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect or the upright. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. They go to such lengths that they try to find iniquity in people. So they can talk about it. Because they're bitter. Somebody starts trying to find out where somebody's wronged you. And they're trying to pull that information out of you. Put up a wall. Put up a wall. Don't let that bitterness that they've got get a hold of you. Don't let that bitterness, the words that they're allowing to flow out, don't let that flow into your life. Uh, I've got other scriptures there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them. Let's go to the fourth thing, and that is uh, discontent. Everybody say discontent. What destroys good people? Discontent does. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 11. Now I beseech you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. There was discontent people that was coming in and that was causing some problems. And he said, you've got to make sure that you all come together in one mind. You've got to make sure you come together in one judgment. Get together. The church that is not united in vision and in mind and in accord is going to be a church that doesn't accomplish anything for God. And this pastor will be, will be swamped all the time trying to fix stuff. Had a pastor friend relay to me said I tried to go on vacation with my family said hadn't been on vacation in quite a long time and and he said we've been so busy at the church and and he said you know what it feels like the pastor of church and the weight you carry and he said we finally got away for vacation and and immediately discontent rose up in some people and he said I had to spend half the vacation on the phone dealing with stuff just dealing with stuff where people cannot be content about something. And so it caused contentions in the church. And, it, and, and, and people not being together. Oh, don't you know how much it blesses all of us when we come together in vision, in purpose, in mission. And we say, God, we are working together for your kingdom. Let's not be discontent. Let's not be discontent. Philippians 4 and 11. Philippians 4 and 11. 
Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Are there going to be things that could make you potentially become discontent? Sure. But Paul said, I've learned this. Whatever state I am, whatever the circumstances are, I'm going to make myself be content with whatever those circumstances are. 1 Timothy 6 and 6, the Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment, that's not just a small gain. That's a great gain. That's a great gain. Hold on to it. Don't allow discontent to destroy good people. And finally, the fifth thing that I want to share with you is this. And I'm trying to hurry here. What can cause good people to be destroyed? When we institute, please hear me because I, I texted this to my wife today and shared this with her. I feel like the Lord spoke this to me today. And I texted her and I said, I don't know that I'll ever say anything as powerful as this on personal uh, spiritual condition. When we institute deep change on the wrong foundation, it will destroy good people. When you try to create a big change in your life, but you do it on a foundation that is not solid and stable and secure, good people get destroyed. We've got all these kids that go to college here and stuff and, and those from our church who go to college. Let me just tell you something right now. Before you head out the door of your parents' home or you strike out in life, whether it's go to a secular job or whatever, before you head out on your own and you're going to be calling all your own shots and all that, you better make sure you've got a solid foundation of faithfulness to God. Because if you don't, if, if you enter that big change of life without a solid foundation of faithfulness, even good people will be destroyed. I went to college. I watched, I don't know how many young people, apostolic young people who went to college with me. And yet of all of them, a small percentage continued to live for God during their college years. You know why? They didn't have a solid foundation. And they made a big change. And because they weren't grounded and rooted in their foundation, it moved them. It moved them. So whether it's college, whether it's marriage. Hello? Whether it's job. Whatever it is, any major life change, before you make that life change, you better ask yourself, how solid am I? What's my foundation like? That's worth coming to church tonight to hear, y'all. Is my foundation established with faithfulness? Because if it's not, you better beware. The enemy's coming for you. Because he's going to use the change in your circumstances and the upheaval to find a way to get, get in. If you, can't, if, if you can't be consistent coming to church and, and you ain't got nothing to do, you're going to have a real hard time being consistent coming to church when you got a job that's trying to keep you out. 
Y'all okay? Did I just get too heavy for us? So, Pastor, how do we guard against these things? How do we guard against these things? Let me tell you how. Be involved with God's people. Don't isolate yourselves, but make it a point. Make it a point. Put it in your schedule. If, so, if nobody's invited you to go to lunch on Sunday, you go invite somebody else to go to lunch on Sunday. But get yourself around people who are going to believe the things you believe. Hold on to the things you hold on to. Involve yourself with God's people. Be accountable to the right people. Be accountable. When this pastor looks at you and says, I'm concerned. Don't brush that off. Because I don't ever come to you to say I'm concerned unless I'm deeply concerned. Don't brush it off. Be accountable and say, if my pastor's telling me that, there's something I need to look at in my life. God, don't let me be lost. Am I too old school tonight? Be accountable to the right people. Be honest with yourself. Don't kid yourself. You can kid me. You can kid somebody else. But be honest with yourself. Look at yourself and say, what is my foundation like? How faithful am I really to God? What, what am I showing God with my time? With my finances? With my talents? With my involvement? What am I showing God in these areas? Be honest with yourself. If you're going to guard against destruction. And finally, be anchored to the right things. If you want to guard against destruction, be anchored to the right things. I want to be anchored to the Word of God. I want to be anchored to my church. I want to be anchored to my family. I want to be anchored to people who are of like precious faith. I want to be anchored to those things. Because if one of those get loose in my life, if I'm anchored in four directions, it, it, it keeps me in the center. But if I get loose from some of them, then I can start getting out here some way. Oh God, keep me in the middle of your will by anchoring me to the right things. And if... You're a good person who the enemy's found a way toward destruction in your life. Let me give you some hope. Psalm 103 and 4. The Bible says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? That is what our God can do. If you or somebody you love has gone the way and the path of destruction, you just need to know tonight there is a God who can redeem you from that, who can crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad to know the Redeemer tonight, aren't you? I'm glad to know the Redeemer tonight. Hallelujah. In Psalm 107 and 20, He sent... His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. We serve a God. 
All it takes for him to redeem us back. All it takes is one word. He can send his word. And his word can heal people and deliver them from their destruction. God's word can pull people out of the lies they've been told by the enemy. God's word can pull people out of the isolation they put themselves in. God's word can pull people out of sin and bondage and any other thing. Offense, bitterness, all of that. God's word can pull them out. And don't you ever give up on them and don't you ever quit praying for them and don't you ever quit believing God but let us hold on to the to the truth of the fact that our God is a redeemer and destruction is not too far gone that our God can't bring them back he said I can get a piece of an ear and a leg and that's enough for me to get something and restore it and bring it back he and if God can take a piece of an ear and a leg from an animal and cause that animal to come back how much can he do with our spirit I trust him I put it into his hands and I'm going to believe him that they're never too far gone let's stand together tonight never too far gone would you lift your hands and thank God tonight for his word Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray tonight. And I pray for people who are good people. None of us, God, intend on going the way of destruction. And I'm praying for people who are good people, whether it's me, because I'm, I'm just as susceptible, God, as anybody else. If it's me, if it's anybody in this room, if it's somebody that's not in this room, God, I'm telling you right now, I'm praying for all of us that we won't go that way. That we will wake up to the realization of the path that we are headed down. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's a lot of people willing to jump on that road every once in a while, God. But Lord, help us stay on that narrow path. That leads to salvation. Help us stay on that narrow way God. I pray tonight. That you would keep good people God from destruction. And that the enemy would not find footholds in their life. God I pray against negativity. I pray against uh, the spoke, speaking words that bring death and not life. I pray against these open doors God. For the enemy to have access to our spirit. But I'm praying you would help us to control our spirit. If we can control our spirit, we're going to have walls that are going to keep the enemy out. But if we can't control it, we're, the city's broken down and the walls are down on the ground and the enemy comes and goes as he pleases. But God, I'm praying you're going to help us to erect the walls in our lives we need so that we can be successful in living for you and I pray it in Jesus name would you clap your hands and give God a shout of praise